I was 44 at the time, and I was never married, very sad, wanting to be in a love relationship. So it's coming from that state of mind, and that's how everything got started. Introducing The Protectors, inside criminal minds from around the world. Presented by the IAFCI, leaders in safeguarding consumers from fraud and scams for more than 50 years. And now your hosts, International President Mike Carroll and International VP Mark Solomon. Hello everybody, this is Mike Carroll, International President of the IAFCI. Welcome to today's podcast. I am with Mark Solomon, our International Vice President, all the way from Connecticut. Mark, how are you doing today? Mike, I'm doing great, and you know it's the month of February. It's uh, Love and Romance and Relationships Month, but this is also a very important time for us where we are educating the public about some of the romance scams that are out there. So I'm excited about our two guests today. We actually have two. I'd like to welcome first to the show, Dr. Lilo Schuster, who has been a chiropractic physician since 1989 in Illinois. But more importantly for today, she is actually a fraud victim survivor and a victim advocate for people that have been targeted by fraudsters. So she's going to share her story with us. Dr. Schuster, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Lilo Schuster, and I'm really honored to be here tonight. And hopefully I can give you some helpful tips. And I would like to introduce our second guest. I see her every day in the office. It's Postal Inspector Natalie Rita. Natalie Rita has been a United States Postal Inspector for 18 years. She is assigned to the Chicago Division Mail Fraud Team, investigating international and domestic fraud against consumers. For the last 16 years, Inspector Rita has been the United States Postal Inspection Service point of contact for the Alberto Cross-Border Fraud Partnership. In addition, Inspector Rita holds a mail fraud subject matter expert designation for the Postal Inspection Service. Inspector Rita investigated child exploitation for the Chicago Division for two years prior to joining the mail fraud team. She was also Chicago Division firearms instructor for three years. Prior to being hired by the Postal Inspection Service, Inspector Rita worked for the Cook County Juvenile Probation Department in Chicago, Illinois, as a supervising probation officer of the Home Confinement Department. She also worked with high-risk youth in the intensive probation department prior to her promotion as a supervisor, ending her employment after 10 years. Inspector Rita holds a Bachelor of Science and Justice Studies from Arizona State University. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, everyone. This is Natalie Rita, Postal Inspector from Chicago. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Got a little snow today, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. Well, Mark, you want to start off with our guest? I would. And Dr. Schuster, thank you again for being on the podcast. So can you tell us how this online relationship began? The online relationship began in the beginning of September in 2009. So that's 13 years ago. And I was 44 at the time. And I was never married, very sad, wanting to be in a love relationship. So it's coming from that state of mind. And the night before I actually received the email from the scammer, I'd actually prayed to God for a widower with a child because I was too old to have my own children. And then the next day I see this email in the form of a letter and I thought it was fate. And so immediately we begin uh, having 
emails back and forth. And what they do is it was through uh, Match.com where I initially met him and immediately says, I'm not normally on here. Please, let's start to email with my email. So we started emailing back and forth. And the words that he would bring up were, oh, it's fate that we met. Love your profile and your pictures. And it feels like we're soulmates. And at the time, he was telling me that he worked with the Taliban. He was in the Air Force with Al-Qaeda, Special Forces. Everything was top secret. And I didn't know much about the military. And we began back and forth emailing constantly. It just started rubbing up. Every morning when I wake up, we would be communicating. When I would get home from work, we would be communicating in the evening. Everything was strictly through emails. And that's how everything got started. And Lilo, was it from the point of being introduced to this gentleman and speaking to him, how quickly did it become an online romance from getting just to know the person to expressing a lot of feelings of love towards you? It was very quickly, especially when they sent me pictures of a very attractive man. And so now I had this connection with an actual person, along with always emailing, never talking to them, but emailing them. So very quickly, it just felt like I talked to God. He sent me a widower. He's got a child. And so from my perspective, I felt very connected. And the way these scammers write, they know how to sweet talk and say lovely things to you. So it was very quick. Within a few days, we just started emailing, communicating constantly. If I could ask Inspector Rita, Ms. Schuster mentioned that she was in her 40s when she met this individual online. Is there a certain age where people might get caught up in this type of scam? Is it all ages? Um, are, are the fraudsters just trying to reach out to anybody? It doesn't matter what the age. What have you seen in your investigations? Hi, this is Natalie. You know what? Um, I have seen pretty much all walks of life, all ages from you know, 30s to 70s, I've seen, you know, educated, uneducated, all become victims of this type of scam. And I honestly believe that it's more where you are in life. And as um, Dr. Schuster said, it is what you're feeling at the time. And so if you're looking for love or you're looking for companionship and this person right away tries to establish a connection with you, it becomes very enticing when someone shows you that much attention. And as she also said, you know, Lila also said that it was an attractive picture of an individual, a man, and she felt a connection because of that. Oftentimes, these fraudsters will steal profiles from active participants, either on Facebook or on other dating websites to use as a front so that they can communicate with members of the opposite sex, man, woman. So Natalie, you mentioned obviously that it fulfills a need. And I was wondering, um, Lilo, as you were communicating with this fraudster, you mentioned how you were searching for a relationship. Did it seem too perfect? Did everything seem to click with this gentleman online and through the communications? Honestly, there were red flags for me immediately. But because of where I was emotionally, I wasn't willing to look at it. 
And so that was even from the initial email where there was grammar and misspelling, but my dad, may he rest in peace, he also had terrible grammar and not very good spelling. So I was always giving myself excuses initially. So I just uh, let those red flags just kind of push them underneath, mainly because I just prayed to God and I felt like it was fate. So just like Natalie said, where I don't date very frequently. So if you don't date very frequently and then you don't really get attention from somebody and all of a sudden it's constant, boy, that makes you feel fabulous. (laughs) So I could definitely say from that perspective, if you're, you know, always at home or you're not doing stuff and then you feel like, oh, my God, they're always available to me. They're always there for me. That, That felt lovely. Hey, Leo, can I ask, how long from when you met online to the point where this fraudster asked for money, and how did the conversation of money come up? What was the purpose? What was the excuse that he needed money? So it was just a few weeks after that, and a lot of times these fraudsters, if they do have a child or family member, there's going to be something that's um, like a child might have an issue. So this child supposedly had asthma and the, and the child had just been in the hospital and he wasn't able to go visit the child and the kid went back to school and now the school was going to be having a field trip for them to go to Florida, to Disneyland or Disney World, whatever one is in Florida. So he needed 2700 bucks to fly the kid and have uh, this child go to Disney World and because... He was in the military with all the special forces, with fighting Al-Qaeda, being in Afghanistan. You know, he had no access to his his bank account or his credit card. And it was a fixed amount that he was sending his mom, who was taking care of his child. So I actually asked him, I did push back a little bit, where I would say, well, how about the wife who passed away? Can't her family uh, help to pay for the child. And, and anytime I would ask the question, they, they know how to just push back. And if you don't feel strong enough, which I wasn't feeling strong enough, I didn't want to lose him. So I just acquiesced. And then I sent him, uh, well, I didn't send him, I wired uh, $2,700 through Western Union to his supposed mom in the United Kingdom. Hey, Natalie, can I ask, does this sound familiar on scams that you've worked regarding these romance scams? I know there, there's another part of it, too, where there's some type of emergency and they're looking for money right away. Is that something also that you've investigated? Actually, that that's a very common theme that they have an ill child or they're ill themselves. Also, the U.S. military connection. I've found probably half of the victims in one case all had uh, a romancer that was supposedly in the U.S. military and couldn't get to their bank account or any money. They weren't getting paid until a certain date. They always had an excuse of why they couldn't get money for things that they needed. Um, They used excuses that they were in the hospital and they needed to pay a hospital bill in a foreign country, obviously making no sense. But I think when you're you're kind of into this relationship and especially if you've already sent them money once you think, well, they're going to pay me back because they love me and they've told me they love me and they're desperate to come home and, and they, they have excuses 
as to why they can't get there, but it's going to be next week or it's the following week and their leave got canceled. It's a very common theme and it's heartbreaking when you read some of the communications, um, just like Lilo said, you know, you're told a lot of things and you believe them because it's sometimes it's just now it's time, how much time you've put into the relationship on top of the fact that you believe that somehow you have a connection that's going to carry you to the future and maybe forever. Lilo, another question when we talk about money here and transfer of money, did the fraudster ever send you money uh, or ask you to receive money and send it elsewhere? Anytime that I was sending money, it was always to his um, mom in the United Kingdom. So the money that transferred was always in one direction. It was coming from you to the fraudster or to a family member of the fraudster. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Natalie, that brings up, I know this seems to be the more common scheme, but can you talk a little bit about situations and romance scams where the victim actually receives money from the fraudster and what we call a money meal, if you could explain a little bit how that works? Sure. You know, I've found that sometimes when somebody is involved in a romance scam, they may actually come to the end of the road of, of even having money to send. And the fraudster or the boyfriend or girlfriend online will say, well, I'm going to have someone send you money for me. So when it gets there, will you then send it to me at this other person? So it's like, it's it's a triangle, right? So Supposedly, they have a friend or a business associate or whomever out there. They'll make up an excuse. They'll say, I'm going to send it to your bank account, and it'll be a large dollar amount. Um, It'll be a wire coming in and most likely from another victim. And then the victim that we're talking about that's caught up in this, who's now the money mule, will basically be washing the money because it's going to go through a clean bank account. And then the victim will then send it on to somebody else, whether it be in the UK, anywhere globally, I've seen it go. I've seen it come in from Canada to the United States, from you know some other United States citizen to um, one of our mules, and then out to a foreign country. And oftentimes that's when we lose the ability to track it when it goes to countries that won't cooperate with the US government and giving information or it's very cumbersome to get that information. Hey, Natalie, can I bring up one other type of scam related to this is where, if I'm correct, they recruit somebody through a romance scam, and then they end up sending them merchandise, and they have the victim repackage it and send it on its way like a reshipping scam. That's another part of this? Actually, that's what I was just going to say. It's a reshipping scam. Uh, Yes, actually, that happens quite often. I've interviewed victims that have done that. They were involved in a romantic relationship. Maybe they were asked for money. They could have either sent some or said, I don't have any. And then the relationship turns into one of employment almost. And you'll have the online boyfriend or girlfriend ask if they can ship something to their house, which it's usually like cell phones or high-end electronics that some foreign countries can't get. And they'll ship them there and then say, hey, can you just package it all together and then ship it to me in Nigeria because we can't get that stuff directly from the States to Nigeria. 
the um, the seller won't ship to my country. And it happens quite often. And and then they get involved with, you know, reshipping. And then their payment is usually a Western Union or MoneyGram payment that comes from another victim who thinks they're helping their online boyfriend. Yeah. And what the victim doesn't realize, right, is that that merchandise was ordered with stolen credit card numbers or it was ordered fraudulently. Oh, yeah. I mean, it could even be from another victim to you know, the, the reshipper, or it could be from stolen credit cards, just like you said, Mike. And Lilo, from the time that you met, when did you, uh, when did you realize that this was a scam that this person had targeted you? So after the first time of asking money, it wasn't long after, like about a week or so later, he had started to ask me for more money because he was supposed to be coming back to the States and we were going to, get together in Florida and plan getting married and he was going to start a charter business. And so he needed money for that. And so I believed him and I kept on sending money. And until uh, I, until I said, I, I don't have any more that I can send you. So it was a little over 20, probably about 22 grand total that I sent. And I just said, this is it. I don't have any more. Mm. And then pretty much after that, it actually coincided with, my mom at the time was turning 70, and so my sister and I flew out to be with my mom in New Orleans and have a birthday party there. And I would go to the hotel and go on my computer and nothing. And you're talking about I was constantly back and forth with this person, mm -hmm. and there was nothing. And so once I had that, then I actually Googled romance scams and I found the websites and I started to look at what they were talking about and I was just dumbfounded that it was like I was reading me <laughs> all these stories it was like oh my god that's exactly what happened to me and because of that then I started to do what they said I reached out to the FBI to the state's attorney to the local police and they all were saying we're sorry we can't help you. You sent money out of the country and there's nothing that we can do for you. And then thankfully they told me, the police told me, why don't you talk to one of your local investigative reporters? And I did. And the only reason that she agreed to interview me was because she'd already done romance scams, but this was the first that she'd heard of back then the scammers starting to pretend that they were in the military and that really pissed her off. So she interviewed me and then because of that, she introduced me to the postal inspectors. And unfortunately, one of the postal inspectors knew me from my fiance from many years before then, who also was a scammer. <laughs> so he remembered my name and they were terrific. They really were very helpful for me. And Natalie had said that it's very rare for them to track, but they did their darndest and they found um, where the money was sent to in the UK, the cafe and the fake IDs that were used to uh, retrieve the money. So even though I didn't get it at the time, I was very grateful for all their help. So that's the long-winded answer. <laughs> I have to say, uh, Lilo, I give you a lot of credit coming forward and actually pushing the issue to speak out. I mean, it is an invaluable 
tool when it comes from someone who was victimized and can stand up and say, this is wrong and people should know it's wrong. It's very hard. I I find uh, a ton of victims that just don't want to talk about it. They certainly don't want their family to know about it, especially when they're elderly, because they're afraid their family will think that their their, uh, capacity to know right from wrong has changed or dwindled in some in some way, and they can't handle their own finances. So it, I give you a lot of credit for coming forward, you know, brava. Thank you. I guess I just felt like it was, I was so stressed and I felt so bad about it. And I felt so grateful for the postal inspectors and for the investigator to, um, the reporter, the investigator reporter to tell my story. And then that really spiraled to me talking to the postal inspectors. And I saw how much you guys appreciated it. I felt like it was a relationship where if I could help you understand someone like me, and maybe that would help you with the work that you do. And it's embarrassing, but too bad. It's well, not, that's it's not, the point. It's a, you know? <laughs> that's the point. It's hard to come forward because you are embarrassed. But you have educated, I am sure, just based on what you just said, and all the places you've actually spoken out about it, you've educated hundreds, if not thousands of people on what to look for and and hopefully not fall for the same type of scam. Thank you. That's that's what I'm hoping. And I actually, in the very beginning, I did have a few women who immediately, when I reported with that investigative reporter, they emailed me and said, oh my God, because with that segment, they did show the pictures, they did show the name. They said, oh my God, that same picture was used. Thank you so much. I thought I was being scammed and I Googled and I saw it and I didn't get scammed. And then somebody else said I did get scammed a little bit, but then when I saw you, I didn't feel so bad. So that's worth it to me. Absolutely. Yeah, Lila, wasn't there one victim was in the Boston area and then there was another potential victim that you, what you did caught onto it was overseas over like in Australia or somewhere out in that area? You've got a good memory. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> they both contacted me very quickly after I had uh, did my first piece with the news. Mm-hmm. So I felt really grateful that that was able to help them and make them feel better about themselves. Lilo, I know you, we talked a little bit about embarrassment, but, you know, Mike and I and IFC, I do a lot of joint work with the AERP Fraud Watch Network. And we've really been focusing on this past year not blaming the victim in this case. I mean, at the time you were 40 years old, you're a doctor, well-educated. This could happen to anybody. And the, the point that we want to get across here is that you were targeted. You didn't ask to be victimized. Somebody set out to target you and other individuals. So we don't blame people that get robbed or people that get uh, shot or, you know, have uh, uh, domestic violence against them. So, you know, we want our listeners to know that, listen, this is not your fault. If you are a victim, what you need to do is exactly what Lilo did and come forward, report it to law enforcement and start that investigation. Hey, Natalie, can I ask, have you had any, during your investigations, any conversation with these dating websites and are they doing anything to stop this type of fraud? You know, over the years, they have definitely put out awareness campaigns. I've spoken to them um, when I'm trying to obtain information from them, and they are more than helpful. You know, they want to help. They're they're happy to 
provide the information because they don't want people to get scammed. And I've, you know, I've asked, you know, what are you doing? I wish there was something more. And they say, well, we put out announcements on our webpage. Don't send money to anybody that you don't know. And they said, but, you know, we're, we're a business and we're in business to make money. So we have to weigh how scary is it to get online versus making money. So they, they do put out banners and they put out announcements about not sending money to individuals that they that you don't know or have never met in person. But I'm not sure that it's constantly in your face on those websites when you're on them. So, Lilo, another question for you. Uh, you know, we talked about how the only communication was done through emails or maybe uh, in other cases, chats, but you never meet this person in person. You never see a video. You're never on FaceTime with them. And at most, you, you see a picture. And I wonder if you saw this fraudster, you know, met him or had uh, seen live video of him, that it would have alerted you quicker to the that there was fraud going on here i think of police officers and we're always when we interview suspects we look at both the language and what they're saying but also their body movements their gestures and i just wonder if you were to have met this person would this scam had fallen apart a lot quicker that's a good question i i guess if there wasn't a feeling of attraction if the fraudster you know, when you meet somebody and you either feel like a, a connection or you feel like turned off. So perhaps right. if I would have met them and felt, ooh, yucky, <laughs> that maybe <laughs> that would have um, that would have changed things. Um, I would say, though, I also just truly feel that when because, you know, I didn't really I didn't tell anybody that I was sending money. That should have been that's like a first clue that somewhere on a subconscious level, I must have known that something was not right to send money. So a part of me didn't want to hear the truth, see the truth, just because I was, I don't know, I, I guess I just feel like you, it's a mind game that's going on when you're so mm -hmm. desperate to want to be with somebody. So maybe it would have changed it. I don't know. I think it has to be with where you are emotionally at the time, how strong you are to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, you're not treating me right. I don't think this is right. To be able to have that kind of gumption, I wasn't there. Maybe it would have made a difference. I don't know. Yeah, Lila, would you say, though, that you wanted to believe it? I don't even know that you would be aware, even if people around you told you that something was wrong, would you really listen to them? Because I've had victims where their family, their friends, you know, their children are telling them, this is wrong, something's wrong, and they refuse to hear it. Yeah, I think that I, I know that the nutritionist, when I was telling her that in my office, there's a nutrition counselor, and we've been in practice together for since 1989. And when she heard about it, she saw his picture, she looked at me, she goes, this isn't real. And I was pissed. <laughs> I mean, honestly, <laughs> I just felt like, how dare you? Like, I'm not pretty enough to have a good looking man. And then when I told my mom, oh, he's in the military, tell me about it. It was like, I felt like people were prying. And so I feel that part of me just didn't want to hear what anybody else had to say. So I completely relate to the people that you've been investigating and 
everybody's just saying, please, can't you see the truth? And it's like we're blind. It's like I didn't want to see the truth. Well, and also once you start sending the money, you certainly don't want to know the truth because then you'd be wrong. And then you're in, you're in so deep that you think, well, they keep promising they're going to pay me back. And I've heard a lot of victims say, well, they said they were going to pay me back. And if I cut them off, then I cut them off and I'm never getting my money back. Yes. I mean, he definitely did say with me sending money for the charter business that once we would see each other in a few months in Florida, we would be together and then he would pay me back. So course I believe him and I think the other part is that I would never do this to anybody else so because I wouldn't do that I guess it's harder for me to feel suspect that somebody would do that to me now I'm completely different now I'm now I know but back then I didn't hey Lilo can I ask you I've seen that picture of this individual back when you send it to us is it true that you learned out who this person actually was the person in the picture with the military photo you know what? Over the weekend, because my American Greed piece gets played constantly, and the American Greed must have just played it again, and the gentleman whose picture, so he also is a victim, he reached out to me uh, through YouTube and said, I just saw the American Greed. I'm really sorry that this happened to you. And then I, of course, I'm immediately thinking, oh, this guy must be a scammer. <laughs> So I immediately went to his YouTube page and I saw that he actually was an actor. And I believe that he also did some kind of military. He was in the military as well. And then I went to his Facebook page. On his Facebook page, he was actually saying, if you are trying to friend me, I'm going to make sure that you are real because I was victim. My pictures were used in a scam and I have to make sure that you're real. And then, you know, he messaged me back and forth that, he had at least 30 women over the years that have, they think they're in love with him because they've completely transferred his picture with what's happened to them being scammed. And I could understand where he was coming from, that he was just feeling frustrated about this whole situation that was hurting a lot of people with his image. Yeah. He, it contacted yeah. me and then you contacted me, Mike, to uh, be on this show. So it's kind of interesting. You know, I remember about 10 years ago where the military put something out because a lot of the fraudsters were using military pictures of those in the service. And I guess the wives were getting upset thinking that they were involved in some romance scam. So I think the military put out on a bulletin or something that, hey, that the, a lot of military pictures are being used for this type of scam. Yeah, I could see that. Can I ask from the both of you, Lilo as a victim and Natalie from a law enforcement perspective, for our listeners, are there some warning signs that we could let them know of not to get caught up in this type of scam? I would say that from what I learned from myself, it was oftentimes they were a widower. They oftentimes had children. The child had a health issue. They have terrible grammar a lot of times. They have poor spelling as well. And there's often some type of an issue with their child that has a health issue. That's where they will prey on you. And that, that they go on really fast saying they love you. Oftentimes they will send pictures of a, an attractive person and that they just will communicate with you constantly to uh, win over your heart. 
I totally agree with everything you said. And I can, on the reverse side, how about don't look for somebody that's not in town? Because then you don't run the risk of someone who can't get to you, who can't make it to see you, and is constantly putting you off. And it's that person you don't know, and they have an excuse why they can't meet you. So the out-of-town factor is huge. And then if they can't call you on the phone or come see you, there is definitely a red flag. Because why why would you waste your time, you know, trying to to build a relationship with somebody who's out of town? So now Lilo knows that, but we can say that in retrospect, right? Mm-hmm. Don't go after somebody out of town, period. Because then you're not going to run into these these issues. Listen, you can find a con man in person for sure. But I'd say that that's probably more rare than what's happening on the internet with someone you never meet. Yeah, when you think about it, Natalie, you bring up a great point with, you know, whether it's a military personnel, even military personnel get leave and they get to go back home and, and travel for periods of time. So I've interviewed uh, victims that had been in a relationship for two, three, four years being victimized and they could never explain why that person in the military couldn't come and visit them. Even they get breaks to to travel. Right. Hey, Nellie, do you know of any cases where some of these victims of a romance scam were able to get some of their money back? Yes. In fact, Mike, there were two very large cases out of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, where the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office there and the Postal Inspection Service filed uh, suits against Western Union and MoneyGram for not posting or attempting to warn their customers about sending money to individuals that they didn't know, and more specifically for romance scams or any other scam out there. I mean, because there's, you know, we all know there's a million scams, work at home, investment, reshipping, and they were successful in, I believe, they, they were significant money judgments against both companies. Then they set up remission payments to anybody who used their service during specific timeframes. And they basically went back to investigators and anybody that had cases where they had proof that victims had sent money associated with a scam. And then they also sent notices to victims, which namely would be customers of those companies to say, were you scammed during this time frame? And if you were, please send us that information and we will get money back to you. Well, then let me ask Lilo, were you able to get any money back from this scam? I was. Um, I believe you or one of the other postal inspectors sent me a link and I had to fill out an application with proof of all of the transfers from the Western Union. And then I explained everything that I did to reach out and help other victims. And they sent me a, a nice chunk of change. So I felt really blessed to have that happen. Ladies, I want to actually commend both of you for what you're doing here. Natalie, for you, obviously being on the front line of these investigations and seeking justice for the victims and arresting these fraudsters. But I also want to commend Lilo for what she has done as well. You were victimized, you were targeted But you stood up and you responded and you reported it and you've been an advocate to 
get that word out so hopefully others will not fall victim. So, you know, we're very honored to have both of you on this show today and get, you know, two different perspectives of this crime, one from a victim's point of view and then one from an investigator. So this is really, I think, a special episode for our listeners to hear. Thanks, Mark. You know, I really enjoyed being on, and I, I believe that educating the public about these scams is so very important, especially coming up on Valentine's Day. And I, Lilo, you know, again, so great that you stepped up and, and spoke about it because that means everything. Thank you very much. I just feel like when it first happened, I was so angry that it happened. That anger really spurred me to speak out and take that embarrassment and just push it away and let the anger get me. And then I decided to change that anger into how can I help others? So I'm grateful for any way that I can help anybody else avoid having this happen to them. And I appreciate you having this kind of show as well. And like I said, that we can't do it without somebody stepping forward. So thank you. And and thanks for having me on. Hey, Lilo and Natalie, you were both great today. Lilo, we uh, really appreciate you sharing your story with us. And Natalie, of course, thank you for your knowledge and your expertise. Mark and I really enjoyed having both of you on the show today. Hey, Mark, any any final thoughts? Do you know what? If there's one person that hears this podcast and realizes they're being defrauded and scammed and, and stops, it, it's worth it all, you know? So I want to thank our listeners and subscribers for being a part of this podcast. The numbers keep growing and growing each episode, and we're so glad you're here and getting valuable information. Hopefully, that could protect you and your loved ones. So I'm going to be signing off from Connecticut. This is Mark Solomon. And this is Mike Carroll. See you at the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Remember, as you join the fight to protect our citizens, you're not alone. With more than 6,500 members from around the world, the men and women of the IAFCI are standing together with you. To learn more or to join the IAFCI, please visit our website at www.iafci.org. The Protectors Podcast is produced by Modified Media and is available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. The hosts and guests' opinions are their own and do not reflect those of management, employers, or sponsors. Listeners are encouraged to contact law enforcement if they suspect being a victim of a crime.